On this episode of Resi Week, uh, Google partners with ADT and CES goes virtual. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 235, Google Home Security. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, the official outdoor display provider of Daytona International Speedway. Hey, welcome to this episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by three of my closest friends. First, we have Katie McGregor Bennett. She is the president of KMB Communications. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing great. How are you? I almost said it can be comms, and I'm like, I know. Yeah. 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 It's technically a holiday here. We're going to go with that. That's that's totally your excuse. It's all good. Yeah, totally yeah. the excuse. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Not on holiday, but you know, that's you should take more holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think I will. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do that next week. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Here to help. Here to help. Yep. <laughs> then we've got Joe Whitaker. He is the CEO of Thoughtful Integrations. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Glad to be back in the show with you guys. Glad. It keeps my life interesting. Just me or like the show in general? And you guys. I mean, come on. It's always a team effort. It's it's the family. That's what happens. That's right. Last but not least, we've got Timothy Albright. He is the founder of Aviation. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. I uh, got some stuff done today. Going to get some stuff done this afternoon on a holiday because that's how we roll. But because it's only a holiday in Canada and not in the U.S., there was some fairly large news that came out uh, earlier today. This is coming to us from CE Pro, as well as some interesting uh, anecdotes from Yahoo Finance. Uh, ADT and Google have announced a smart home security partnership. Uh, Alphabet, who uh, is the, the parent company of Google, has made a $450 million investment into ADT, and ADT and Google will now offer a new a bunch of new smart home security technologies for integrators and DIY. What this is going to do is uh, create a partnership and bring together Nest Hardware and their services that are powered by Google's machine learning, uh, couple that with ADT's installation service and professional monitoring to create a more helpful smart home and integrated experience for customers across the U.S. What you might find uh more than just slightly interesting about this is this was announced just a little while ago. Uh, ADT stock price is up 60% already today. Additionally, alarm.com has plunged as much as 20% today. So this is, this is twofold. This is a huge thing from both uh, our channel and, and, and products and services, but it's also massive from a, uh, a stock situation. Katie, I, I want to start with you on this. This kind of came out of left field for me. Last I had heard and all the research I've seen was that uh, the Nest security solution was going to be standalone. They weren't looking for an installation arm. It was going to be DIY and DIY only. Uh, I, I really want to have a conversation with our friend Andrew over at Nest to get a little bit more info on this. But 
is this something that I view it as something that's going to dramatically change the business model of anybody who's selling security in general, let alone if you're an ADT partner or if you're an alarm.com partner or your local monitoring center partner. What do you see this doing as this gets flushed out down the road? Yeah, I mean, so so this is just coming across my desk as well. Um, haven't haven't had a lot of time to look into it or ask my network sort of for their take on it. But I think what I, I think two things is that this quite likely, though I have no idea when the talks around this originated, but I suspect that this is this Boys and Girls may be the the first of the major company announcements post COVID, or we're not we're not out of it yet, but that that have occurred as a result of COVID and where consumer interests lie. We know on the KMB com side, we know that surveillance um, content, anything to do with surveillance of security cameras, has gone through the charts as far as just organic engagement on on content that's speaking to those. We know that sales on the integration side are through the through the roof. So this category is just it's exploded over the last few months. Anyways, I think that from an integration community perspective, this this opens it up quite a bit. I think it also may create a bit of a limiting factor as well as for those who don't already have a relationship with this with this sort of empire, if you will. You know, it's kind of like I suspect it may be a little bit more challenging now to get to get in if you're not already partially there. I don't, you know, I have no idea how restrictive how restrictive that is. But I think that it's really interesting just categorically speaking that this, you know, I think it, it, it points to a lot of opportunity. And I think it also, you know, where the integration community at large is going to be spending more time and resources clearly in, in security. Um, it's, you know, it's curious and concerning that this is, you know, the Google, Google side of it. And, you know, where does, what is, uh, what else is connected to this? And I know that, I, I, I know the industry and the, and the community is going to rise up against that. Joe, I'd love definitely to, to hear your thoughts on that too, just uh um, you know, from the business side of it. So that's just kind of my quick take. Very good. Joey, given, you know, what Katie just said, and, and I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you uh, run the security side of your business kind of the way I run mine, where, uh, you know, we do a lot of CCTV and things like that, but alarms are kind of that, that add-on. If somebody really wants it, we'll do it. But we're, at least I'm not out, you know, flagging flyers, ADT style, of, you know, sending a couple grunts out to go flag 400 doors and try and get, you know, a three-year contract with zero down and $40 a month, uh, as much as that can be a very good business model. When you see this and, and looking at your business and the way you're running your business right now, is this something that gives you pause to say, yeah, we're going to have a really hard time competing against anyone on alarms if, ADT and Nest have what will most likely be a very cost-effective and simple solution. Well, you know, I, I don't know if it's a drop in the bucket situation. Um, obviously, we do security. We have a security license, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. And those are the kind of the questions that we answer for ourselves when we hopped on like the Vivint uh, Pro Partner Program, which is, I, I don't even know what that looks like right now. Um, yeah you know, through all the COVID stuff. But, you know, while Katie was talking and you were talking, I was scratching down notes and kind of thought back kind of in a historical manner, good 10 years, right? So you already, you always had ADT Tyco as the heavy hitters. Doesn't matter where in the US you are. You know, those two were your heavy hitters. And then you had companies like Vivint come in, which I always consider it Vivint slash two gig, same thing, different model. Yep. Um, but then you got to look at all those trends and that's kind of the scary part is you're, you're like Amazon. Okay, you own Ring. You do some security. Where are you at? 
Where, where, where are you at in this? Do you know, if we're, if we're going to break this down, take the two big boys in the room, um, take the Amazon, good old Bezos and them, and then take the Google side and say, okay, if we're going to break this down and go all the way down into integrator partnerships or whatever, what is this going to look like for me, you know, in the back end? You're going to offer a product what can be DIY and be integrator specific, so to speak. Where is that going to play when you've got other people like, you know, Snap and C4 jumping into the Claire thing with the nice touch panel uh, for their new security platform? Where, what does this look like for us right now? Because now you got it cut into three spots where I think this is scary for everyone because who's going to make money? The integrator, the real true security professional that might offer, you know, a Viv and a two gig and ADT or, you know, your good old classical Honeywell stuff. What, what are we going to look like on the back end as a business model when the big popular one, you know, it's going to be the Google ADT thing that launches and I can either install it myself or have a pro install it. Where, where does that leave us in the security mix? I honestly think um, a, an entire reevaluation and this ADT thing, the biggest part of this whole thing is, you know, reading this article, listening to you guys is the one thing that everyone forgets. Why did the Nest security thing fail? And why did the Amazon Ring thing not really take off? Because each individual state has their own regulations on what can be installed by who, when, where, and what can actually be monitored to call fire department, ambulance, medical, all of that that missing component. Well, how does Google fix that? Invest a ton of money in ADT and then maybe snaps them up somewhere down the road. Cause that's the thing that everybody was missing. We operate in more than one state here in St. Louis. It's wild, wild West security. Doesn't matter. But you go to Texas, you don't have a security license. You stick a camera outside a house that could be up to a $10,000 fine. Now imagine Amazon and Google trying to deal with that with their security platforms. ADT fixes a problem weighs in heavy on their money and they will get to introduce some new products and all their algorithms in the back end. So yeah, it, it, for, for guys like us. Yeah. I mean, I do, I'm, I might not even do security anymore. I mean, it's that serious of a big deal. Wow. That's uh, that's very interesting. Tim, I'm, I'm getting some additional info, which I want to pick your brain on. Mm -hmm. One of the really interesting sides of this, and I feel like you and I have talked a couple of times about how, home security and, and, and the alarm industry has been ripe for significant disruption. To Joe's point, Ring came out with their system, Nest came out with their system. It got a lot of fanfare right off the bat, but I've never seen a single one of those systems installed anywhere. No. Now, I know clients that have gone out and bought them, but we've never seen them, we've never serviced them, we've never touched them. One of the things that... Uh, Bloomberg is reporting in this is that ADT will begin distri distributing Google's Nest home products exclusively and that the distribution network is key for Google to now have ADT exclusively distributing this. Now, again, we know what exclusive distribution means. Literally nothing. <laughs> it's exclusive until somebody else joins the party. But if you start talking about 20,000 ADT employees with more than 6 million customers. And they, they do add, obviously, new customers all the time. They have a massive list of legacy customers who, in all honesty, will, will be, there'll be a large portion of them that are still on that 3G sunset. 
where they need to upgrade their systems. What does this do? What, what is, is this the major shakeup that the alarm industry has been, dare I say, needing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, this, this is, uh, Joe put it right on the head and they, this not only solves a, an issue that, that Amazon had, right. Uh, and Nest had, but, but it also solves the problem uh, that ADT has. And that, that is, you know, right now they have legacy customers that trying to get them along and trying to get, you know, the technology um, in the back end to evolve. Google has that, right? Google has the algorithms. In addition to that, they've both committed, uh, the article said $150 million each. So $300 million is going to go into R&D uh, mm -hmm. in this new venture. Well, I mean, not, not you know, a, that's a lot of money for evolving and creating the next generation of security and the next generation gener generation of connectivity uh, for those security systems. So yeah, this is, uh, this is the beginning of a brand new era for the security sector. And I think that, that both Katie and, and Joe is right. None of us know what this will do to the dealers, uh, at least not the AV dealers. Uh, the security folks, most likely they'll, they'll you know, jump on and kind of ride this out and see where it goes. But the, for the AV folks, it, it almost looks like Google has done an end around and, and it may not end well for, for those folks who, who depend on you know, security systems for revenue. Yeah, very much so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's change topics for a moment. Uh, this came out late last week. Uh, CTA cites the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic to turn CES 2021 into a virtual event. Uh, I can't say that I'm shocked by this, but I'm also surprised by this. This was not what I expected to see uh, with CES. I expected them to still run and have a major virtual component. Joe, I, I want to start with you on this. From, from the integrator side, where CES has its, its moments where it's very, very effective for our community, it, it, it's still a, a, a huge tech show, but there is so much consumer tech that's there as well. It, it's, not, it's not something that I've ever made a huge push to attend because of that. When you see them going completely virtual, uh, obviously Infocom was virtual. Uh, CD Expo in September is going to be virtual. Uh, ISC will likely have some portion virtual, uh, just reading tea leaves. None of that has been announced yet. But CES is like the, the show of shows. What does it mean to see CES saying, yeah, we're going to go virtual this year? This is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. And, and here, here's why. I'm glad you said it first. There's a pandemic, so, just so we're clear. Yes, there is a pandemic. So, so on that standpoint, of course, it makes sense. Of course, it's a responsible thing to do um, when we don't know what Q4 is going to look like at all um, as far as a pandemic. And then you've got this huge show that tail ends in the middle of what would be, you know, the, the winter in the middle of the United States, you know, good old beginning of January is, is, is what it is. So you have all these components in it that says, okay, um, this is a smart, responsible idea. However, you look at some of the other trends, you know, you look at Infocom, you look at Cedia Expo, and you're even worried about that in, in how do we normally have 20,000 attendees with a thousand manufacturers and how do we cater that into a virtual experience. So now multiply that by a hundred 
And now you have CES. I mean, I personally, I haven't been to CES since like 12 or 13. I was doing a headphone gig consultation thing. And that was the last time I was there. And even looking at it then, how can you take something that big and spread out with your typical of what the attendees look like and the, how many manufacturers there are insane. And how do you convert that to a virtual platform? I mean, it's a great place originally. To, you know, you want to find an iPhone case, that's the place to go. They got a whole floor for that. You want to find a, you know, a crappy Bluetooth speaker made by some company that nobody's ever heard of, great place to find it. But then you've got your, you know, your Klipsch's and you got your, you know, all of those big brands like Sony that really pull out all the stops. How are you going to do something that massive of a scale virtually? I don't, I just, just me being honest, I don't see how that is even possible. I mean, you're talking about a hosting platform that I bet you the government doesn't even have one that can, you know, support that many people at one time. Have you seen a congressional thing virtual lately? I mean, those are horrible. Now they've got all the money in the world, but you can't do it. Where do I think the power is going to be for CES? Same thing I think about CD Expo. The power is going to be in the hands of the manufacturers. Whatever they pull off within the confines of the box they were given to present, that's going to be the key winning point. There's going to be, I mean, it's, dude, you're right. I mean, it's CES. It's the, the biggest thing in electronics on the planet. How are you going to do that virtually? I wish them the best of luck. I will probably attend some of their stuff just to view it and, you know, see how it turns out. But that's scary. You know, that I don't know what that revenue loss looks like for them either on the business side. That is going to be just every association's feeling it, but they're going to probably feel it the worst. Yeah. yeah. Astronomical. They're, they're, they're going to feel it. Timmy, th- this is, yeah, I had initially kind of shock with this because I did not expect this to happen. And then I had a, a fair amount of sadness because this was supposed to be the year that we were going to go and cover CES. And I, I feel like they did it just out of spite for yes, us. Yes, they did it because they realized you were going to finally go to it. I know, they're like, nope, yeah. we're done. It's out. Not the Canadian. Finito. When you, when you watch this and, and, and hear what Joe's saying, and you and I have had multiple conversations about virtual events, we've, we've held our own. Mm-hmm. There is a lot that is lost in a virtual event. You can do them very well. You can have uh, some fantastic, you know, panelists, panels and sessions and all that other stuff, but it just doesn't compare. It's not the same thing. There's no way to virtually recreate that. Is this, obviously they have to do it, but is this something where you feel they're going into this going, yep, this is going to be kind of crappy? Well, number one, they don't have to. Right. Um, nobody has to do these do these events, and and um, I'm I, I was I was honestly shocked uh, about this um, because quite quite frankly, the day before I was talking with someone else, and um, you know we we've all kind of watched CES as kind of the bellwether for the first quarter, maybe in the second quarter of next year, and I, I had been told um that you know cta was you know they were gonna you know make bigger aisles and you do do some some social distancing stuff but they were gonna have a show uh in fact i was on a show with with david danto the guy that uh david Mm -hmm. danto who works for poly uh he hosts a a uc uh show for us called connected and and we had somebody on from the cta about a month ago and he's like we're having this show and then to kind of just kind of drop it um 
the last week of July. Now, now I, I want to point something out here. Well, the last week of July, Infocom got crap for canceling, you know, um, the end of, of March. And, and granted, that was, the, that was the start of this, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first part of, of, of COVID, for, at least here in the States. Um, this is a full five, six months ahead of time. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the next six months. Nobody, right? There, there are four different uh, companies that are working on a vaccine right now. It may come to pass. We may be able to, or we all may be stuck here uh, within the confines. Well, the three of us confines of the States, and you still can't get here in January. Who knows, right? So I, I personally think that this was a little bit premature. Uh, I think that it was a bit early to say, to, to kind of throw up the, the white flag and say, you know, we, we give up. Um, we're going virtual. Now, all of that to say, you know, we, they don't have to, right? They could just say, we're, we're going to skip 2021 and, and we'll be back in 2022 because... Uh, hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Can, can CES do that? Sure. Like, like I, know they, I know they can, but it's CES. Yeah. As Katie's ringing her fist, knowing that, what, I have nothing to market? No, 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 no. We have to market something. It, can they actually, like, I feel like this show is so big. Like DSC, they've essentially, they keep posting it down, but they haven't, they're not going to have a show this year. Most likely. That's not likely going to dramatically affect any of the exhibitors or the attendees. Mm -hmm. CES, there are hundreds of companies that stake their business on what they can achieve out of CES. And they, they, they adjust their, their product cycles to make sure that they can hit First of January, first of February. Absolutely. Yep. What I'm so what I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Joe's right. The power is going to be in, in not only the organization of CTA, a company that owns CES, but also the partnerships they create with the manufacturers. If the manufacturers have something to show, if the manufacturers have something to talk about that's exciting, that's that's new, that's innovative, you're not just going to show off uh, some dumb USB fan or something, then Yes, absolutely. They, they should, right? Um, but it, it is going to be a partnership between the power of the manufacturer and the organization to pull this off. Very good. Katie, let's, let's, let's chat for a second because you obviously support a lot of manufacturers uh, from a marketing standpoint. Is there an effective way to market to consumers virtually, especially on a scale this size? Is this something like you, you were part of the team that helped pull off the Atlas IED launch mm-hmm. uh, from last week that turned out really well, but it was also its own event. If that had been coupled with Infocom, it still would have been a cool event, but I don't know if the impact would have been there because of all the competing noise. Right, right. Can you, it's hard enough on a CES show floor to draw attention which is yeah. why there's people in the aisles trying to pull you into booths. But virtually, digitally, I, is, is the support there? Can you, can you get a message across effectively? That therein lies the challenge. And there's, I, I, it's a good thing that I, I put myself on mute when you guys were talking. There was so much that I wanted to do. <laughs> There's so much I wanted. No, 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 no. There, but there's um, that you know, there's a lot of a lot of things going on, and and I think you know, just to to kind of quickly catch up, um, you know, as I think there's a, there's a timeline here, and CES just exponentially is so much larger an event than our than our trade 
uh, events. I mean, just massive scale. You, you couldn't pull off a CES in anything less than six months planning. And right yeah. now there's so much uncertainty just from a travel perspective of what countries are going to be able to travel, you know, just legally there. Then you also have the liability, the corporate liability standpoint. And in the U.S., that's a much bigger situation, I think, than anywhere else globally. We're a litigious society here in the U.S. Companies have to take into consideration if they ask people to travel and they become sick ill or die, that liability falls to the employer, theoretically. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a gray area in there, but this is what companies are really struggling with is as an employer, can you, should you, is this the time to ask your employees to travel, let alone to a trade show? Is, is that essential? No. A trade show is not essential to, you know, in the bigger scheme of things. Now, you know, I, I'm not talking as CEO of KB Communications who relies heavily on trade shows. <laughs> Let me be very clear on this. But, you know, I think there's, you know, there, there's just sort of the, the, the financial structure of trade shows. So it makes very clear sense. And, you know, I honestly, I, maybe I was one of the few in the room, but I was waiting for the announcement to be made and watching the calendar wow. because we are just getting into that range where insurance policies start to kick in. So, and I would expect that if that's the case and CES has a longer window on that insurance than our regional ones do because they're smaller in scale. And 182,000 attendees last year. And this is, I just reread this stat and I just, I think it's important for us to understand this. So if last year in 2019, sorry, 2018, 175,000 attendees of which 68,000, 68,000 of those attendees were exhibitor attendees. So to support 4,500 exhibiting companies, 68,000 bodies are in Las Vegas. That starts, you know, and that's hotel rooms, that's foods, that's cabs, that's, right? So that's a number that we don't really ever get, get deep into. And I was writing that mute button hard because it was like, shit, guys, you know, like, we really do kind of have to talk. Just, you know, when you start breaking down those numbers, okay, now that's topic aside, you know me, I move fast. Now just get into the product side of it. And, you know, you guys were talking about the USB fans and those kinds of things. I mean, CES, really, it, it is a global launch point for consumer technology. On the industry perspective, ISE has become the global launch point for professional mm -hmm. and residential technology. Yep. ISE is really the one that matters the most to us. And a lot of those products that show first at CES, that's a consumer version. We then get to see the pro version six, eight, nine, 10, 12 months later, we actually see that product come to live. So I think for us, it, while it's a huge shock, I think it's more of just a matter of looking at what that show and what that time frame has represented to us as an industry and how do we rejigger accordingly. Now, Matt, to your original question, can you do this effectively as a manufacturer? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. These, these virtual platforms so far are not providing manufacturers a great platform. What Atlas IED did with you guys on the AV Nation side last week was phenomenal and it got a lot of attention. It's because they were one brand one week, <laughs> total isolation from any other event. It, it was beautifully orchestrated. Had they done that at Infocom, they still would have absolutely, they would have gotten the attention, but it wouldn't have stood, stood out as a singular event that the industry couldn't miss that one, you know, on that one day for that 30 minute time frame. There's just too much noise around a trade show. So then you have to kind of rely on the virtual platform to pick up that capability. And I'm, I'm sorry, but Infocom was Freeman. Infocom was Freeman, we're moving on. CD Expo is going to be Convey. Convey looks, and the, the platform that it's on, looks to be pretty cool. If, any, if you're familiar with Outdoor Retailer, massive show for the outdoor um, retail community. They ran it. It looks pretty good. But honestly, you, are you really going to walk into a virtual environment, lean your little mouse in and go, ooh, I want to go into the exhibit hall to go see what Sony is showing today. No, you're going to pick up the phone. Joe, you're going to call Jason Savage. <laughs> right exactly what i do 
<laughs> so, yep. you know, so I, you know, these virtual, I mean, it's great that they're there and we have to have something, but guys, scales, this is just not the year that any of us are going to be super compelled by what a manufacturer can introduce and showcase on these platforms. Makes it hard for all of us to really make some noise, but I don't think it's going to be done on these virtual trade show platforms right now. Real, real so, quickly, well, yeah. one, 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 go ahead, Joe. I've I got one small uh, well, correction well, I, I, from Mr. Scott. I uh, was going to go ahead. No, no, go, you go first. Oh, okay. Because there's, there's a note that I've repeated over and over and over on one of my pieces of paper. And that's what I keep saying is the, the era of the big show is for the most part gone. And it's for the things that like the Atlas IED thing that have now been defined is by private one-off virtual events you're allowed to break calendars which means you can you can do it around memorial day the weekend after you you're you have so much more flexibility but then there's the ability for the one-on-one time for fireside chats on very specific product information test cycles whatever the case may be these are all things you actually can't do at the big show and it's proving like the, the alice id thing brilliant worked great would it have worked at Infocom? Sure, but not the way that it actually worked. That was an amazing proving point to me because it was the first one done like that. Well, let me let me ask any any of you a question. Well, I will completely concede that a standalone event is fantastic and very easy to deal with, and you can get a lot of focused attention, and you can also find some time in your day to go do it. The benefit to me of the large shows is that I, I'm never going to see every booth. That's never going to happen. But I can go see my you know, five or 10 or 20 main companies that I need to deal with. I can go knock that out in a day or two days. What I'm concerned with happening, and we saw it right when this started, everyone and their brother had a virtual thing, a webinar, a training class, something. And as a business owner, it's really hard to work and manage your business and also find even two hours every week to go see this and go see that and go manage that. Even from just a managing your email as far as who's doing what event when. Is that not the, the concern? I don't know yes, if it's... Go, Joe. No, no, you, you go. Waited forever, you go. See, and then you I, came in at the same time. <laughs> See, isn't that the Zoom thing? No, no, you go. That. No, 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 you go. No, no, no. no, no Katie, you go. You go. <laughs> no, no, Joe, go, go. Oh, um, you know, I is think. Why am on? Is this thing working? Um, no, I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You can hear us. That's good to know. <sighs> since we're now forty-five minutes into recording, um, you know, I think I think that's. <laughs> that is the challenge. And I think that, that live events create, um, dictate how you're going to spend those days, assuming that you travel to them. You know, there's sort of a rhythm to that day. Even if you don't get up at eight o'clock and have breakfast every day in your normal professional life, I, I do. I just know there are others that don't do that. Trade show days, you tend to get up early. Why? Because you know that your people are downstairs having breakfast and it might be kind of cool to bump into them, you know? And so there's sort of like that, that you get up and you go and you do because you have committed to being there in person in, in some capacity. If you don't get up early, you know you're gonna hit the networking stuff at night, you're gonna be out all night. You know, we, we've all heard those stories. You cannot replace the networking and that in-person time 
with a virtual anything. I, I mean, I, I, challenge, I challenge the royal you out there. Um, find a networking event that will rival, that will rival the in-person. I know, I know we're trying them, but it's just, it's just not the same. You know? I mean, I've, been, I've loved hanging out with you guys here on Zoom for four months, but I really honestly cannot wait until I get to see you. I want to hug you. You know, like, and that's <laughs> the live event will never, re will never replace that. I think we've got a lot of evolution yet to do. They're getting better, but. Well, hold on. Let, let me get ready to walk into the trade show. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I think this is not going to work even for our personalization. Yes. You want to come in, you want to give me a hug, but that's not going to happen for another year or so. It's just not. And the, the thing that we're realizing is I know what you guys in marketing are seeing is that there's a power now to having a live event, um, whether it be a keynote, education, product announcement, launch, whatever, that is repeatable. It's got a playback to it. You know, you go to most, most things at Expo in the past and Sony unveils some big cool OLED or whatever the case may be, and you were there at that moment, but when you get back to the office, it's not recorded, it's not, it's done. It's in your head, there's no chance of review, anything like that. The magic in the marketing and all of that for me, especially on the education side, is re repeatable. You know, I might, I might catch like the first 10 minutes of something Matt or you or Tim does, and then all of a sudden I've got a company emergency. I got to drop off. I got to get out of here. But guess what? Seven o'clock that night, I get to finish the entire thing, write down my questions, and email you guys or call you or text you or whatever the case may be. I think virtual has some really strong points never available to us in any Infocom Expo CES style to the same point that I know for a fact that uh, CD Expo this year, some of the manufacturers are going to have Zoom as a sidecar and you got a, you know, a dealer, an integrator really interested in this widget, whatever the case may be. You hop on with one of their guys on a side Zoom call. You actually get to play with the dashboard of the product, get a view of it, the whole nine that's something you never were able to do at Expo. Um, so I see a lot of upsides and the fact that everybody's going to be scared to do the hugs and the, and all, which of course I miss, I miss seeing all you guys, um, you know, and having a drink and having fun and learning stuff. And, but it's just not ready. I mean, the, the, the paranoia is going to stop that from being a legitimate thing for at least 18 months. Well, yeah, and you look at you look at the fact that Google uh, just told their folks that they don't have to come back until July of next year. Mm -hmm. um, real quickly, ISC is is um, working on a hybrid event. Mike, uh, Mr. Blackman has said that in a number of of uh, interviews with like Craig McCormick and, and other um, publications. So they are at least working and and looking at something. Yeah, and I was so looking forward to Barcelona. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you we ain't none of us. Well, Matt, Matt might be able to go to Barcelona, but the rest of us. No, we're out. We're, I mean, yep. we're, we're stuck. Big dumb Americans. Maybe I'll take yeah. Fiona. <laughs> yeah, well, and just American companies are not exhibiting. So, yeah, you know, there's... Exactly. There's, yep, that, that's already... Uh, well, and that's, a, that's another thing, Katie, is, is you've got folks that, that are... There are mul several multinationals, right? You, yeah. You've got the, the, yeah. big, the big ones, the, the big ones. Uh, even ones that are based in, in the U.S., they have European counterparts and stuff like that. But there's a big chunk of those um that are u.s only yeah. and they won't be allowed yeah yeah, yeah. it'll be a very uh 2020 2020 was weird enough 
2021 <laughs> is going to be very entertaining, uh, especially. And here I kept saying, come on, 2021. I'm, now I'm like, let's oh, skip to 25. <laughs> let's oh, let's we know, we know skip to 25. I no, know. Because no, then I'll be 40 and that'll hurt. Then, I mean, it yeah, doesn't hurt. Good grief. That's because shark bears and everything <laughs> else. All right. Let's, let's wrap it there. Uh, I wonder if Craig will actually ever hear this because he doesn't really pay attention to residential stuff. Well, he also doesn't pay attention to the Yankees either, but that, what's your point? No, but he, well, I was going <laughs> to razz him over, you know, PEDs and things like that that don't happen with monster home run hitting gentlemen that are six foot seven. Uh, who swept the Red Sox for Craig if he's watching. But let's let's wrap it there and I'll I'll just harass Craig over Twitter. Uh, thank you all for joining <laughs> us and and chatting today. Uh, Katie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB Communications, where can they do that? Yep, yep. We're KMBcommunications.com on the web. Um, if you want to find me, I'm Katie McGregor, K-A-T-Y-E-M-C-G-R-E-G-O-R. That's on Twitter, or KMB underscore com on Twitter as well for the company. Excellent. Thank you so much. She's also got uh, a couple podcasts that she's hosting as well. Uh, so check those out too. I do. AB Trade Talk and Connecting Tech and Design. Yep, yep. Are you doing the foodie one too? Is that you? Yeah, foodie one. Yeah, so um, AB Foodies, AB Bites. That. Yeah, no, that's uh, Vegeta, Yuji, and I. And yeah, we're actually, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're booking up through the through the year. Yeah, so. Fun times. Mr. Whitaker, thank you, sir. If people want to connect with you, learn more about thoughtful integrations, where can they do that? They can always email me, Joe, at Thoughtful Integrations. Find us on all the social things at Thoughtful Integrations. I will be on Katie's Kitchen and Bath show this week, I believe. Am I correct, Katie? Indeed. Design on, uh, on Thursday. Yes, with, with our good friend, George Walter. And Tim, is this a good good time to just drop a, a, a uh, little you might sneaky? Well. Go right ahead. Sneaky sne- thing. So <laughs> anybody that listens through the whole show, they'll get the, they'll get the little that- tidbit. Well, you know, these two guys, Matt and, and Tim, have welcomed me officially to the AV Nation family, as our show will be converting in two weeks over to the AV Nation platform. We will now be there with the, uh, what we're stats say is the number one pro consumer-faced show in the U.S., and I am so excited about being with you guys. We're excited, we're excited about having you as long as we, <laughs> get a, 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 we settle on a name. That would be helpful. Yeah, well, so if you're you watching this, send Matt no, no, the names. I told you what it was. No, no, Sarah told us all four what, or three what it was. So well, Yeah, that, that, that is true. But I agreed with her, so it was fine. Oh, is that what yeah. it was? Yeah, it was uh, a stamp of approval. And me and Tim disagreed. <laughs> but we will, we will have a name. We can't announce wrong. the show. <laughs> no, no, Sarah and I got this locked. It's, it's cool. It'll be fine. Right. It'll be fine. Uh, Timothy, thank you, sir, for, for joining us. If people want to connect with you, uh, read about your musings over the... Golf claps? Golf claps. No, no. This is a really cool thing I got from our buddy at uh, PTZ Optics, um, uh, Paul. I did the the present summit with them, and I thought it was a cool idea. And it's a young lady on Etsy that makes uh, all these different Zoom placards that you can, you know, for folks that can't, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, you can go uh, follow me on, on the Twitters uh, at TD Albright because the Blues are playing sort of again. Kind of. Or uh, I, I, I got to say, I actually watched a little bit of hockey. Uh, last two, the last thirty last seconds when they lost it, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't even see the Blues play. But man, they're not. None of them are good yet. No. Gosh, it's some bad. That's bad hockey. It's a. Right there. It's it's kind of abysmal oh, right now for hockey. Um, this is me saying it's and bad baseball. Hockey. Yeah. No. No. Baseball is great. Yankees are killing it, man. I'm and like, so right, I got to give a good. shout out to 
to uh, what's his name that does that uh, hockey show? Uh, Andy Strickland, who also does Fox Sports Midwest. Um, him and uh, Soupy Jim Campbell name dropped our company on their wow. radio show on Friday, Ooh. which was kind of cool because you you know we're big blues fans but then when i get text messages from like pedigo and everybody else talking about those do not look like the championship blues look nobody's been playing okay everybody looks except for the avalanche um everybody looks bad right now and the avalanche looks like they're going to be the best in the world so give them time there's my my it was one game yeah but they looked good oh yeah i got nothing to add to that I'm over here watching golf and baseball. All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. More importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.